John's Gospel and chapter 5, and commencing to read, please, at verse 1. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market or the sheep gate a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethsaida, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind and halt and withered and waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first after the troubling of the water stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. And a certain man was there which had an infirmity thirty-eight years. When Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he saith unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? The impotent man answered him, saying, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool. But while I am coming, another steppeth down before me. And Jesus saith unto him, Rise, Take up thy bed and walk. Verse 14. And afterward Jesus findeth him in the temple and said unto him, Behold, thou art made whole. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon thee. And the man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus which had made him whole. Let us bow in a moment of prayer together, please. Father, we just bow before Thee this morning, and we thank You for what has gone before. And Lord, we bow before Thee this morning in great need. Lord, we own our inability before Thee today. We ask that You will come by the power of the Holy Spirit. We pray this morning that this meeting will be charged with an awareness of God. And Lord, I give myself to Thee this morning. We stand before Thee, Lord, and we have no reserves to give. But Lord, I pray this morning for that fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit. I ask this morning for the anointing and power of God. And Lord, that this word this morning would strike the mark and go into the heart of whatever individuals are here today that need to hear this word. And so Lord, in the moments that we have together, we ask that you will remove every distraction from us. We ask that you will put a covering, Lord, around this meeting that you will not allow anything, Lord, to interfere in the preaching of your word. And Lord, I pray this morning that you will come and speak and minister into every heart. We give ourselves completely to thee. We ask that you will now come and take full control. In Jesus' name, amen. I had a message prepared for this morning until six o'clock last night. And I know this morning that God has given this word for some soul here today. I want you to picture the Lord Jesus as he makes his way from Samaria in chapter 4. He goes through Capernaum. He comes through Galilee. And now as we read together at chapter 5, he comes towards Jerusalem. There's a feast of the Jews. 
We don't know what feast it was, but he came whenever there was a feast there. And while the Lord Jesus was at Jerusalem, he went to this pool, which is called Bethsaida. That word is the word, the house of grace, the house of mercy. And the Lord Jesus, as he comes to the sheep gate, he sees a multitude of men and women. And they're lying, they're men and women that are marked by infirmity, they're blind, they're halt, they're withered, and they're lame. I wonder tonight, this morning, could you even begin to imagine the noises that they would make? Men and women that have been crippled for years, and not only the noise of their groanings, but my, the stench of the open wounds in their body, the sores. And here's a multitude, the Bible says, that came to the pool, Bethsaida. The word impotent folk is the word feeble. It's the word weak. It's the word needy. I wonder this morning, is there such a person here this morning, and that would categorize you today, weak, feeble, and needy. And here's the Lord Jesus comes to the pool of Bethsaida, and there he sees this mass of men and women. There was a multitude of them. My, they were gathered round the pool and they were, the Bible says they were waiting. They were waiting for a supernatural intervention. And I'm sure we all know the story so well of how the angel would come down at a certain season and it would trouble the water. And the first man or woman that would get into the pool after the troubling of the water, the Bible says, we read together this morning, that whosoever stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. And as the Lord Jesus comes and he, he sees this mass of men and women groaning and bemoaning their situation, he could maybe hear and smell the sounds all around him. And my, he comes to the pool and he sees a certain man. His eyes lock onto one individual. And I trust this morning that God's eyes will lock onto you today as an individual. I trust this morning as we've come to the house of God, and it's lovely to see you here, but God will zone in and zoom in on you this morning. A certain man and a certain woman. And the Lord Jesus comes over to this man and he starts to talk to him. He knows that he's been there. The Bible says he was a long time in that case. 38 years, here was a man that was impotent. Here was a man that was impeded in his activity. Here was a man that had a restriction in his life. This was something that domineered his life. It controlled his life. He could never forget about it. My, his disability was ever before him. And the Lord Jesus comes to him and he says to him, he says, would thou be made whole? And I'm sure this man looks up. He maybe never seen the Lord Jesus before. He maybe never even heard of him. And he looks up at the Lord Jesus and he said, sir, I have no man. There's nobody to help me. I have been lying here year after year. My, he said, whenever the angel would come down and trouble the water as I would struggle to get up over the side of the pool, another one steps down before me. He was a man that was always missing what God intended him to have. Let me say that again. He was a man that was missing something that God always intended him to have. 
He said, just as I would get down, he said, someone else would stand in before me. And he says, I'm in a situation, there's no one to help me. I'm in a dire need. And the Lord Jesus turns to him, and this is what he says, rise, take up thy bed, and walk. Thank God this morning for the Lord Jesus Christ who came to this pool. Thank God there was one whenever no one else could help this man. There was one that was able to change his situation. And I pray this morning, my dear people, as I lay this word before your heart, that God has laid in my own heart, that you this morning would lay hold of what the Lord Jesus can do in your own life. My title for the sermon this morning is this. When God troubles your waters. When God troubles your waters. We're not talking this morning about an angel. The Bible says here that it was an angel that came down, but I'm not talking to you this morning about an angel. Whenever Moses was leading the children of Israel through the wilderness, you remember how the Lord says, I'll send an angel before you. And he says, Lord, I don't want an angel. I don't want Gabriel. I don't want Michael. Great though that may be. He said, if thy presence go not with us, carry us not up thence. I tell you, my dear people, God is a wonderful way of disturbing the waters of our life. And maybe you're here today. And God has started to disturb you. God has started to trouble you. Down in the recesses of your heart, no one else knows anything about it. You look the same, you sound the same, you do the same things, but down in the very recess of your soul, God has begun to trouble, the word is to disturb you, about a certain situation in your heart and in your life. That's one of the wonderful ministries of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, the paraclete, what he comes and does, he begins to stir. He begins to disturb. He comes and he creates a soul thirst in our heart for going on with God. I wonder this morning, have you a need in your heart that is still unmet? A need deep down in the recess of your soul that this morning you, like this man at the pool of Bethesda, have no one to help you and you've struggled with it for year in, year out. And maybe like this man, 38 years have come and gone, but this limitation is still in your life. This restriction is still there. There's a barrier in your heart. The Bible says that the Lord Jesus knew that he was a long time in this case. And my dear people, this morning, God knows everything there is to know about us. He knows how we're going on with Him. He knows how, how, how we're progressing in our Christian life. He knows if we're gaining ground or losing ground. And here was a man, whenever the Lord Jesus saw him, the Bible says he knew. He knew. A certain man. I think this man, you know, after 38 years, he was tired of struggling. I think he was tired of trying. I think he always was watching this pool. I think he was always waiting in anticipation for this angelic being coming down and disturbing the waters. And he maybe saw it many times happening. And Maya's expectation rose in his heart. And just as he reached down, as he stepped down into the pool, someone else would stand in before him. And then he was back to square one. I believe there's a believer here this morning, and that's just the way you are. 
God is a blessing in your life and you're almost pressing through time and time again. But you never press in. It seems to be that you always miss what God has for you. There's four different kinds of people that were at this pool. There was the withered, dried up. There was the blind, there was the halt, and there was the impotent. Men and women, I can tell you, that knew their need. Men and women knew where to go to get their need met, and yet they were languishing in their weakness. They were languishing in their powerlessness. They were languishing in their inability. But oh, thank God that we read this morning that Jesus came. Hallelujah. That Jesus came to the very point of this man's knee. The Lord Jesus came, I can tell you, my dear people, and he looked him right in the eyes. He saw a certain man. And here this morning, there's maybe a mother or a father or a son or a daughter, and down in your heart, as I have said, God is pressing you about a matter in your soul, a matter in your heart, and you feel your weakness. You own your powerlessness. You say, oh Lord, there's, an in, there, there, there's a hindrance or there, there's a limitation in my life. And Lord, no matter how much I try, no matter how much I struggle, Lord, I never ever seem to be able to deal with that problem. Thank God this morning there's one that can come. There's one that can meet you and I at the very point of our need. Now, I'm not going to be long this morning. And I'm just going to leave before you some people here today that God is disturbing. Some people in this meeting this morning, and God has started to trouble your water down in the depths of your heart, down in the deep recesses of your being. There's a need that has not yet been met in your heart. And you're longing this morning for a fresh, supernatural touch from God. The first individual that is here this morning like that is the soul that is not seen. And you've maybe been in the mission. And you've heard my Alan preach and Bertie preach and myself. And you've been there and God suddenly comes upon the Word. And you're listening and my everyone else around you, you forget about them and you, you lock into the Word of God and the Holy Spirit starts to come and he says something like this. Do you see what Alan's talking about? Do you see what Bertie's talking about? You don't have that. You don't have that. And he starts to trouble the waters. And maybe you have a profession. And maybe you had a day in your life and you made a decision. But this morning you're not too really sure if you're saved or not. And God has started to disturb the waters. He's come and my dear people, there's a troubling deep down in your heart. Thank God for that. There was a man like that in the Bible. He's called the rich young ruler. And the Bible says that he came to the Lord Jesus. He was running and he came and he knelt at the feet of the Lord. He had religion. He had money. He had manners. He had morals. He had all the world had to offer. But he did not have eternal life. And he came to the feet of the Lord Jesus. He came to the one man that was able to meet the need of his heart. And he said, what must I do that I may inherit eternal life? He was troubled and he was disturbed. Have you been troubled? Maybe some of these young men here this morning or some of these young people. And my God has started to trouble you in your heart that if the Lord Jesus was to come back tonight or today, at this very moment, my night's gone by, you've been lying in your bed and say, oh, my mother would go, my father would go, but I won't go. And there's a, a troubling in your heart. 
The Bible says here that an angel came down at a certain season. And my dear unsaved this morning, let me tell you this. Whenever God disturbs the water, whenever He comes and He disturbs your heart, you'll need to respond in the right season. There's a season to get saved. You can't get saved when you want. You can't play fast and loose with God. You can't do that. And maybe you're here this morning and you know very well, my, I'm not saved. I'm not born again. I have never had the matter of my sins dealt with. I have never had that encounter of being born again. And God has been starting to disturb you. I can tell you something about this man. In verse 14, it was sin that brought him to where he was. Because the Lord Jesus said, Thy sins are forgiven. Go and sin no more, lest a greater thing come upon thee. I don't know what he was involved in. Maybe he was involved in an immoral relationship, and my, there was a disease got into his body. I don't know. I don't know if he was an alcoholic. I don't know whatever sin he was involved in. But oh, I can tell you the sin that he sowed in his life. He was reaping the consequences of it in his own very body. And so it is this morning, dear unsaved. And I want to tell you this, that if you sit in these meetings at the mission and take this from the Lord this morning, and the Spirit of God is striving with your heart, and you resist the strivings of God, the season will not only come, but the season will go. And there's some of you here this morning and you've been playing fast and loose with God for too long. There's a certain season now to get saved. There's a certain season. But there's not only those this morning here and it's the soul of your condition this morning concerning salvation that God is troubling. I think there's believers here this morning and God has come and over the last number of weeks He started to trouble the waters. He started to disturb the waters of your heart concerning secret sin in your life. No one else knows anything about it now. But deep down in the recesses of your soul, God the Holy Spirit has started to speak to you. Maybe about something that you, you, you do. Maybe about somewhere where you go. Maybe about something that you look at. Maybe it's something that you touch. And even this morning as I am speaking, God the Holy Spirit is putting His finger on that very thing. And your heart this morning is starting to get troubled. And God is beginning to disturb the waters of your soul. And you say, Lord, there's a need in my heart that has never been met. The Holy Spirit, the one who searches the deep recesses of the being. And one of the things that you and I as believers have lost is the, the seriousness of sin in the sight of God. To be defiled and to be unclean. Maybe there's a backslider here. And maybe for years you have just been living your own way. And the Bible says that the backslider is filled with his own ways. And God has started to trouble your heart. You've heard the ministry in the tent. And I don't know this morning how you could sit through ministry like we have heard if you're not walking with God. 
I don't know how you could sit and listen under to the Word of God that's being proclaimed and go unchallenged and undisturbed. And maybe God has begun to trouble the waters and He's looking for a response and you, you've tried to put it off, but there's a certain season. There's a certain season to respond. You remember Martha. Martha, the Bible says, was troubled about many things. It says of Saul, the first king of Israel, that because of his disobedience, God sent a spirit to trouble him. Let me ask you a question this morning, dear believer. Does your disobedience trouble you? Does it trouble this morning if you're not obeying some area of the Word of God? Does it trouble you, my, whenever you think, Lord, I've been living my own life for so long, I've been doing it my own way, and God has started over the last number of days and weeks and months to disturb the waters of your heart, and my, everyone else thinks you're going on so well, but God has started to disturb. God has started to trouble the waters of your heart. Maybe there's an area of restitution that God has laid his hand upon. Maybe it's telling lies. Maybe it's impure thoughts. Maybe it's dodgy dealings with your money. Or maybe there's a man here this morning and you're involved in a relationship outside your marriage bond and no one else knows anything about it. And even as I am speaking this morning, the very sweat would break on your brow and your heart would be troubled and God the Holy Spirit would start to disturb you. Here was a man, I tell you, he knew his need. He knew his need. There's not only those this morning that need to get saved and God is troubling your water. There's not only saints maybe here this morning and there's secret sin in your heart and you're dabbling in things that you shouldn't be involved in and everyone else here this morning knows nothing about it. But my, you know in your own heart, my dear people, you don't need me to tell you. Whenever you get down to pray, that thing comes into your mind. Whenever you get down to read your Bible, that thing comes into your mind. Whenever you're in the prayer meeting and you go to pray, my, suddenly it comes into your mind. You can't pray because you're at that during the week. God starts to trouble the waters. Maybe there's someone here this morning, very quickly, and God has started to trouble your waters about sur surrendering to God. And you're saved and you, you know that God has done a wonderful work in your life and you know that you're born again. My, you know there's been a wonderful change in your heart, but you're yet at this very moment not yielded completely over to God. There's an area of your life where you're holding out. There's an area of your life where you say, Lord, I don't want you to have that. And the Holy Spirit starts to come and he starts to trouble. He starts to disturb. Way back in the book of Deuteronomy, it says, The eagle stirreth her nest, and fluttereth over her young, and spreadeth abroad her wings, and taketh them, and beareth them up. And the God, the Holy Spirit, has a wonderful way of disturbing the nest. Those little eagles, as they were in the nest, my, they were so comfortable. My, they were so protected. And then there came a moment whenever the, whenever the parent would come down, the mother eagle would come down and she would stick her talons into the side of the nest and she would disturb the nest. And those, all those lovely sticks and twigs that were making a lovely nest, my they, would start to, my, they would start to jag the little eagles. 
She would disturb, she would stir the nest. And my, how, what would happen is they would, they would get out of their comfort zone and they would stand on the side of the nest. You know why that was happening? Because the eagles were made for a higher plane. God never made an eagle to stay in the nest. And you're maybe here this morning and you're saved and thank God for that. But yet God wants to bring you into a higher plane and you have a disturbing factor in your heart. My, there must be more ground to claim. There must be higher heights to soar. Lord, I want to get to know you. And God starts to disturb your comfort. He starts to disturb your comfort zone. And God, the Holy Spirit, starts to stir the nest. I tell you, my dear people, that's a wonderful thing. Whenever God starts to deal to have a troubling my factor in your life, that there's an experience in my life that I, I still need to climb higher with God. I'm not content with where I am. I want to go higher. I want to go deeper. I want to go through. The story is told of J.F. Kennedy whenever he was walking through the streets of New York just shortly before he was assassinated. And while he was walking along the crowd, he was shaking hands with men and women. And he came to this young boy. He was holding the hand of his father. And all of the reporters gathered round and the TV crews zoned in on this young man. And J.F. Kennedy reached out his hand, the hand of the President of America, the hand of power. And here this young man, he stood with his two hands in his pockets. And J.F. Kennedy said, young man, will you not give me your hand? And the young boy never answered. And his father nudged him and he said, Son, give the president your hand. And he never moved. And J.F. Kennedy stood with the news reporters watching him. He said, Young man, give me your hand. And after a number of moments of embarrassment, J.F. Kennedy, my, the leader of the free world, had to move on. And the father turned to his young boy and he said, Son, why was it you weren't willing to give your hand into the hand of the President of America? My men and women would only dream of having such an opportunity. And the young boy turned to his father and said, Dad, I had two sweets in my pocket and I didn't want to let them go. And maybe there's an area in your life and God wants to take you in his hand. He wants to make you a vessel, sanctified and meet for the master's use, but you've got some little sweets in your hand. Maybe it's work. Maybe it's your reputation. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's your plans and ambitions for the future. And the hand of the Almighty this morning would reach down into your soul and say, Sir, I've got something better for you than what you have. Young woman, I've something for you to do. I have a mission field for you to go, but you won't release your hand. God starts to trouble. God starts to disturb down in the very recesses of your heart. And it is not very theme in Paul in Romans 13. He said, knowing this, that the time is short. He said, the night is far spent and the day is at hand. And the one thing that gripped me last night onto the early hours whenever I was preparing for this this morning, I want to tell you, every one of us will stand before the beamer. Every one of us will give account of our lives to Jesus Christ. Every one of us will give every moment, every second, every penny, every gift that he has given. We all have to give an account of it. And oh, my dear people, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Then while I'm dying, oh, how glad I will be if the lamp of my life has been burnt out for thee. Maybe God's starting to trouble your waters. Maybe he wants to take you as a vessel in your hand. And you'll remember whenever David went to build the temple in 1 Chronicles. 
And he said to Nathan, he says, I'm going to build the Lord a house. I'm going to build him a temple. And Nathan said, do all that is in thine heart. The Lord is with thee. And my Nathan went out from the presence of David. And then the Lord spoke to Nathan. He says, you go back to that man and tell him not to do it. And Nathan went in before King David. And he says, David, look, God has spoken to me about that. He, he says that you're not going to be able to build the temple because you were a man of war, but he will allow you to prepare for it. And the Bible says that men and women, you know what happened? They willingly offered all that they had unto the Lord. My dear people this morning, have you ever done that? Have you ever done that? You know, that's one of the reasons why I love working with young people. Because they do not have baggage. And there's some of you older people here this morning. You're so, so precious to God. And the Lord has something for you to do. He wants to use you maybe as he used Moody. He wants to use you as he used Whitfield. He maybe wants to use you as he used Mary Slessor. But there's marbles and sweets in your pocket that you will not let go. And the season will soon be gone. You know what happened? He said, I was so slow at getting in, someone took my place. Has somebody taken your place? Some ministry the Lord could have given you? Some place where he could have sent you? And because we were so slow to respond, another one stepped in and got the blessing. The soul that needs to be saved this saint, I can tell you, that needs to deal with secret sin. This saint here this morning that needs to come to the place of absolute surrender. What about the individual here this morning and God has started to trouble your heart? Maybe in the meetings over the last number of months, maybe in your own quiet time, maybe, maybe whenever you're talking to the Lord during the day and he starts to talk to you about some area of service that he wants you to do. You'll remember whenever Ezra came back to build the temple. He came out of Babylon. And now he came back. There was a man by the name of Zerubbabel and a man by the name of Joshua. And now the, they began to build the altar. And that's all they did. They stopped. They, they started to build their houses. They, they led the house of God lie waste. And they put all of their time and all of their effort building their little empires again and again. Building their, building their vineyards. Building their farms. And my God raised up a man by the name of Haggai. And he said, consider your ways. Consider your ways. You dwell in your sealed houses in my house. It lies waste. And the Bible says that the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel and the spirit of Joshua and the spirit of all of the people. And they came and they started the work of the house of the Lord. And maybe there's a young man or young woman here this morning and God has been putting a large horizon in your heart. You see a dying world. You see a sick church. And you say, oh my God, will you take me? The last moments of my life, Lord, I want to be burnt out for thee. And you would willingly offer yourself unto the Lord. There was a young man who worked in a cobbler's shop and he used to sew the, the leather shoes together. He used to fix the broken heels of the women. And one day he was in a meeting. And the man that was preaching, he, he said a statement that this young cobbler, my, he pricked his ears. He said, the preacher said this, the world has yet to see what God could do with an individual that has completely yielded to him. And D.L. Moody with his hands black with the 
black with the leather, that he worked in the old cobbler's shop. He stood and he says, Oh God, give me strength. I will be that man. Won over a million souls to the Lord. There's another cobbler in England by the name of William Carey. William Carey got saved. He went to a Baptist seminar and he started a little Baptist church. God started to put a burden on his heart for the heathen. Men and women out in Africa, men and women over in the continent that were dying without Christ and without God. And William Carey, he went to the, he went to the, the Senate of the Baptist College and he says, man, we need to go out. We need to go and win a dying world. And the man stood to his feet and he says, young man, let me tell you this. If God's going to he save the heathen, he'll not need your help. And William Carey wouldn't accept that. William Carey wouldn't bow to the, 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 the slander of men. And my, he sold all that he had and went out onto the mission field and he started the great missionary movement of the world. One man in the hand of God. One man that set his eyes on the things of eternity. Here was a certain man by the pool of Bethesda. He had a limitation in his heart. He had a need in his life that was not yet met. There was an area that no one else could help him. My, he tried for so long, he struggled. But someone else always seemed to get the blessing. I tell you, my dear, believe there's someone like that here this morning. I know it. I know it. <laughs> I know it. But here was a man. He never responded in time. He never responded in time. Finally, maybe there's someone here this morning, a believer, that needs to deal with secret sin. And God is starting to trouble your heart now. You maybe even feel uncomfortable. God is starting to trouble your water, sir. He's found you out. Maybe there's someone here and God's speaking to you about surrender or service and, and he has something for you to do and you need to yield. You need to, you need to bend in line with the will of God and you haven't done that yet. Oh, my dear people, the angel come down at a certain season. There's a season to get in on the blessing. You ever see the men out in Port Rush there? And my, they're, they're waiting for the wave. Am I they're all out and the, suddenly they see the wave coming on the horizon and they get their little surfboards or bodyboards and they get in the right position and they line up. By the wave takes them in. They just catch it at the right time. And my dear people, I want to tell you this. Don't waste your life on the things of this world. Don't waste the little blip that you have in the sight of eternity and see all of the money and all of the holidays and all of the great things in the cars. And There's nothing wrong with those things. But whenever those things distract us and get our eyes off our accountability to the Lord, when we see the sacrifice that He made, my, no sacrifice that I can make is too great for Him. But finally, maybe there's a believer here this morning and there's a need in your heart that has not yet been met. And you've heard people talking about the spiritual life. And you've heard about the sanctified life. And down in your heart this morning, you say, Lord, there's an area in my life that has not yet been met. I'm living a life, Lord, of defeat. I'm living a life, Lord, of barrenness. I'm living a life of coldness, Lord. Lord, 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 my Christian experience is just like the Big Dipper in Barry's. It's up and down. It's so inconsistent. Lord, Lord I, I don't know what it is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I don't know what it is to have a pure heart and clean hands. 
And down in your heart, you know that you're saved. But there's an area of weakness. There's an area of powerlessness that God has started to reveal. And he started to disturb. He started to trouble the waters of your heart. My dear people, there's a season. There's a season that needs to be a season of response. Maybe you're here this morning and you tr- you've heard about a pure heart. The Bible has a lot to say about a pure heart. He that hath clean hands and a, a pure heart. My, whenever Paul was writing to Titus, this is what he said. He said he gave himself for us that he might purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. Whenever he was writing to the believers at Thessalonica, he said, I pray the God of peace sanctify you wholly, your body, your soul, and your spirit. He that calleth you is faithful. He also will do it. And there's an area down in our heart and we say, oh Lord, is this all that I have? Is this how I'm going to live the rest of my life? Powerlessness and weak and no passion to pray, no vision for the lost, no hunger for the word. Am I just existing like a cow in the field? Is there nothing, is there nothing more? Oh, my dear people, this morning the Lord Jesus not only died on the cross to deal with your past sin, the Lord Jesus can give you power over present sin. He breaks the power of cancel sin and sets the prisoner free. And Paul said to the believers at Rome, and Rome was the sin capital of the world, he said, sin shall no more have dominion over you. And there's an area of the life, oh, I can tell you. And that prophet Isaiah said this as I close. He said, there is a way and a highway, and it shall be called the highway of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it, but it shall be for those the wayfaring men know the fool shall not err therein. Is God troubling your water this morning? God disturbing you in your weakness and the mind? A need of the heart that has not yet been met? Stephen, my mind is impure. I, I venom in my heart against another believer. I'm intoxicated with unforgiveness. I feel defiled. I feel impure. My dear people, I want to tell you there's one answer to that. You know what it is? Rather, it's not a thing. It's a person. It's the person of the Holy Spirit. Because whenever He comes, He will live His life through us. I don't know if you've ever heard of a man by the name of Paderewski or not, but you, maybe this morning that are into music, you've maybe heard of him. He was a pianist. He was well-known. He was world famous. He was doing a concert one time in America. And he was playing the masterpieces. My, the people that were there were spellbound. They heard him dance upon the keys. He could make the thing live. Those strings that were sitting there, they were, my, they began to vibrate and they made a melody that only Paderewski could make. Halfway through the performance, he took a little break. He went to get a little bit of refreshment, went to the bathroom. And the crowd was there and they started to chat among themselves. There was a woman in the balcony. She was just, she was just level with the stage. She was there with her seven-year-old boy. And in the midst of the break, she, she lost her concentration and she, she didn't have her eye upon her son. And he wandered away. And just as Paderewski was about to come out onto the stage and the host had announced him to come out, she looked out over the balcony and she saw her boy just walking up the aisle. 
And he walked up to the aisle. He was oblivious of everyone else around him. And he walked up to the stage and he, he walked the steps up to the stage and he, he stood at the grand piano. And the crowd started to look upon him. And he went over and he got the little stool and he, he sat at the grand piano and everybody's eyes were upon him and he got his two fingers. You know what he did? He started to play three blind mice. See how they go? Three blind mice. And just as he was playing, the crowd said, get him off, get that young boy away. Paderewski's coming out. We have paid our money. We want to hear the master himself. But Paderewski, he knew what to do. And he came out from behind the stage and he saw the little boy, two blind mice, see how they go. And the master came over, you know what happened? He put his hands upon the keys. And he said to the young boy, he says, young man, just keep doing what you're doing. And he put his hand upon the keys and he put a flare in here. He put a run in there. And my, the men and women that were in that auditorium, they started to get the significance of it. Here was a young boy. He was weak. He was marked by inability. There was nothing clever about him. But it was the touch of the master's hand that made the difference. And here he sat and he, he'd done the whole thing. Three blind mice went through the whole tune. Paderewski says, my boy, let's do it again. And all he did was two fingers. Three blind mice. And here the master put his hand upon the keys and the strings started to vibrate. There was power, there was a melody, there was something beautiful, there was an aroma about it. The very atmosphere, men and women, they saw it was the touch of the master's hand that made the difference. My dear believer this morning, I trust this morning that you let the master put his hand on the keys. I trust this morning that you just say, Lord, I need a power up and beyond myself. Will you come, Lord, and meet that need in my heart? Whether it's sin, whether it's backsliding, whether it's defeat, whether it's some area of unsurrender, whether there's an area that God is speaking to you about service and he's disturbing, he's starting to trouble you now. And he says, I have a little season, I have a little window of opportunity. I need you, I want you. Will you yield, will you yield? And here was a man, what the water couldn't do, the master could do. Will you allow him to do it this morning? Let us pray. Father, we bow before thee. And we just thank you for your help this morning. We thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for every individual here today that you, you delight in every one of them. We thank you that your will is good and perfect and acceptable. And we pray, Lord, if there's those this morning and down in their heart, Lord, as you've been speaking to us, my, you've been disturbing. You've been troubling the waters of our Christian experience. Lord, you want to the very source of the problem this morning, down into the very root of the heart of the problem. We pray, Lord, whatever that need may be, whatever that infirmity, whether it's a halting, whether there's a blindness, whether there's an impedity, Lord, in the Christian walk, 
We pray for the touch of the Master's hand. We cry today, Lord, over every head bowed in your presence, that you will bring every single one of us to that place where you want us to be. Lord, whenever we view the Bema, whenever we see that coming moment, when every single one of us will have to give an account, may, Lord, the response of our life be heard. Well done, thy good and faithful servant. We pray that you'll bless your word to your heart. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.